Welcome to Macro Peace Theater. My name's Emil Kalinowski. I'm your narrator. I read things. I am literate, which is surprising for many, and myself included. I read things that I feel, well, why not just read them aloud? Why not share these interesting things? Because people are busy, they're doing things, they're commuting, exercising, whatnot. Today's piece is a reading about supply chains. Oh, boring, right? Oh, but it's so interesting because Jeff Snyder of Alhambra Investments on the 25th of October, 2021, in a blog post called What Seems Inflation Now Is Something Else Entirely, informs us that there may not be a good shortage. Jeff, what are you saying? I go to my grocery store and they're all out of the premium tomato sauce. He explains, there's a bottleneck. There's a good shortage at the retailer but not further up the supply chain. This is yet another one of those crucial recent developments which should contribute much clarity about the economic situation, yet is exploited in other ways, political, adding only more to the general state of economic confusion. The shelves may be empty in a lot of places around the country, leaving anyone with the impression there just aren't enough goods. Shortage of goods, everyone's thinking, by virtue of economics, it will be another significant inflationary pressure. Maybe even the straw that breaks the post-70s camel's back. But is there actually a shortage of goods? Is that really what this supply shock is all about? If there is one thing unambiguously in short supply, it's actually physical structures and locations to warehouse goods. Contrary to public perception, an enormous quantity of material is being produced and even shipped. The issue is that it can't get as far as its destination because of bottlenecks, constraints in transit. Outside of a few highly visible sectors, automobiles in particular, this unusual inventory cycle is being generated on the upside by how hard it is to transport things rather than having few things to transport. As we noted here, this has created a perverse chain of events whereby the ordering of goods is being conducted based on transportation worries rather than honest forecasts of and demand. Suppose retailers, outside of automobiles, grow concerned about supply availability or shipping times. They might naturally react by boosting their current order flow, if only to increase their chances of some product making it through the clogged shipping channels. As that increased order flow, unrelated to demand, continues to move back through the supply chain, it probably would only make the transportation issues that much worse. It's already a mess, and because it's already a mess, the entire supply chain tries to stuff more goods through it rather than less, rather than giving the system some time and space to work out enough kinks. This would mean an overflow of goods, but where many, if not most of the goods lurk in the background, not anywhere visible at the end of the line. Let me read that again. Jeez. This would mean an overflow of goods, but where many, if not most of the goods lurk in the background, not anywhere visible at the end of the line. This is not a shortage. 
And if there is such a thing, then warehouse space would be the thing coming up for a huge price premium. Last Friday, the Wall Street Journal reported, Warehouse availability in the U.S. fell to record lows in the third quarter, according to figures from real estate firms that show industrial spaces all but disappearing in near some of the country's busiest distribution hubs. One CFO at a major corporate real estate firm added, Space in our markets is effectively sold out. Part of the problem is post-pandemic behavior. Lockdown, originally due to governmental indifference, consumers began buying even more goods online than they had been prior to 2020. This required retooling much, too much, of the way goods are handled from producer to wholesaler to retail delivery. But as the economy seeks its way back to normal, Americans, in particular, are still buying online, as if years of a slower trend toward virtual shopping were condensed all at once into a, the calendar space of a few months. As we pointed out here, there is, in the hands of wholesalers, a whole lot of inventory if you exclude the effect of an auto sector plagued by an entirely different set of supply problems. In other words, for motor vehicles and parts, it is not the same thing at all as what's going on everywhere else in the goods economy. That's not what the public is being led to believe. As social media flooded with images of empty shelves cultivate this misimpression how the whole economy must be in the same boat, pun intended, as the auto sector. Stepping up the supply chain one rung, retailer inventories at first appear equally dismal, matching data with the perception of system-wide destocked shops. Inventory levels are at extreme lows, and inventory-to-sales ratios even more historically low still. However, if you deal with the situation in the automobile industry separately, as you should, excluding retail auto inventories, what you find is goods flowing, if not flooding, on the retail level that along with wholesale inventories excluding motor vehicles, matches the shortage of warehouse space described in Friday's Wall Street Journal. Many companies have claimed they are absolutely ready to for too many goods, believing both their newfound pension for individual supply chains as well as logistical consulting to manage more than ever. This, so long as demand doesn't unexpectedly fall off even a little, which then might trigger the downside of the inventory cycle. With this deluge of goods reaching U.S. warehouses, wherever they might be in the country or within their own delivery process, it has to be a little unnerving how even mainstream commentary on the economy has itself shifted prominently. Earlier in the year, it was common enough, Warren Buffett, to hear the term red-hot thrown around regularly to the point of ubiquity. Nowadays, you are far more likely to encounter the tag stagflation, with few references to overheating left 
outside of the FOMC members already having cornered themselves into tapering and therefore having to justify the upcoming act by, yet again, like every other time, being overly positive, interpreting otherwise not-so-great economic data. It was the red-hot economy from early 2021 which had built up corporate America's inventory exuberance. A stagflation economy, on the other hand, with warehouse space already at a huge premium, the inflation part becomes increasingly settled into the opposite of the one most Americans are thinking. And it is in large part because of the real reason for so many empty shelves. Excessive levels of inventory, given just a downgrade in expected future demand, for example, see the Chicago Fed National Activity Index, becomes highly disinflationary at the drop of a dime, not inflationary. Depending upon just how much of a demand downgrade, given these other factors, an inventory cycle downswing could actually end up being outright deflationary. It is understandable why Americans have been left to believe all these things add up to consumer price acceleration far into the future. Vast swaths of grocery and department store shelves, which go unstocked for a noticeably long period, plays along with the perception of a goods shortage, seeming to be consistent on the surface with the previous, earlier in 2021, burst of consumer price increases. While those price increases sure did happen, they were not inflation, nor were they even a supply issue, in the way it appears most people are being led to think of it. While there aren't enough cars on dealer lots, the entire rest of the goods economy, apart from a few other sectors like clothing, is on the verge of being overwhelmingly awash in all manner of non-auto stuff. And this doesn't even count what's stuck afloat on logjam ships already acting as warehouses of last resort. Hope you enjoyed that piece on Macro Peace Theater. I always worry when Jeff writes for an audience who regularly reads his work and he says things and doesn't offer a explanation, a further explanation. The best example is QE4. A lot of people don't know there was a QE4, especially in 2013, if I remember it correctly, or was it late, tw- it was late 2012. I've, there's only been announced QE123 before we got to 2019, but there was a QE4. And whenever Jeff says QE4, I always worry that people say, just dismiss him and say, <laughs> what a nut. The Federal Reserve didn't tell us there was a QE4. And so here we are again, just a moment ago, Jeff said that while those price increases sure did happen, they were not inflation. Uh, what does he mean here? He doesn't, he does provide a link, but what does he mean? Uh, he's referencing that Yes, there was a price surge because of the reopening boom, the euphoria, the pent-up demand, and in the United States, the stimmies. The stimmies that you could convert into goods. 
So yes, and in many of the charts that he shows, including, let's see if there is one in this report. Yes, there is. You can see the stimmy. You can see how on a month over month basis, you can see these camel humps, surges in prices, and they coincide right when the reopening and the helicopter drops are taking place. Anyways, maybe I shouldn't be defending Jeff Snyder. Maybe you guys listen to this show regularly. But just in case you don't, I wanted to let you know that's what he means when he says there wasn't, it wasn't inflationary and it was caused by other things. All right, enough. Moses, I will talk to you tomorrow.